0: Today is the Blessing of the Bikes, and I'm super excited. Had three friends stay with us last night from uh, Napa, Boise area, and different folks coming in. And if you have a bike, if you haven't heard about the Blessing of the Bike, this is our ninth annual Blessing of the Bike. Um, We got one gentleman that's going to ride his pedal bike all the way to where we're going. He thinks he might get there when we're about to leave. (laughs) So, which is wonderful. I hope so. But the blessing of the bikes is—it's really, honestly, should be called blessing of the bikers. Um, and that's going to be after the 11:11 service, right on the east side, over on this side. If you go to the east side of the building, you'll see the blessing of the bike banner. Would love for you to come back to that for the blessing. We give out um, um, these really, really cool patches to everyone. Uh, a biker Bible to anyone who wants one. And then we go on a lunch ride, so we have a wonderful time. We're going to dive into the Word right now. If you would do this with me, if you'll stand with me, because this is our last and final week of the Creed. We're going to to say this uh, together. Can you do that with me on the count of three? Can everyone see that? If not, I'll give you time to put your glasses on. Here we go on the count of three, just teasing. One, two, three. Three, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of the sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The part that I'm going to be addressing today is the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, Ah, J.O., we don't need your permission, I understand. (laughs) Pray with me as we dive into the, the last three areas. I'm excited about these three areas because, think about it, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, everlasting life. If you're a believer today, I think that is yours. If you're not a believer, I don't think that's yours. So it's going to speak to both people today, wherever you are in life. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your precious word. The creed is something that we believe, but it's not your word, but it has your word wrapped in it. So, Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, have your way, even as I begin to preach and teach and articulate the things that you've put in my heart. ask that you bless this time and everyone in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said The purpose for the Creed series was really not the Creed. The purpose of the Creed series was to understand what the Creed represents so that you would have a deeper belief in really what you believe, a clearer belief, uh, understanding of what you believe. I think when a person understands actually what they believe and it's not religiosity or just words, it causes you to be armed and dangerous. It absolutely will equip you, it will empower you, it will give you great confidence in what you believe. So when it comes to the creed, we wanted to dive into it so hopefully you could deepen your belief in Christ in order to deepen your relationship with Jesus. When it comes down to it, worship is not about worship, it's about Jesus, faith is not about faith it's about jesus praying is not about praying it's about jesus everything should point to a personal relationship with jesus christ i mean that's very we are committed not to play church at heart of the city church some people are uncomfortable with that i'm fine with that but we're not going to play church we're not going to play tradition we're not going to play religiosity amen and so We hope that if you have questions on anything of the creed, we've preached through the entire creed. Like, for example, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Well, if you've been here at all, at all, you've heard me say it about ten times that that's not the Roman Catholic Church. That means the universal church that you're part of and the church of Africa and Asia, and the church of South America and Honduras and Ethiopia and every believer in the entire world, every tribe, creed, tongue, color, that is the universal uh, Catholic church. This creed was written in around 300 AD and the Roman Catholic church didn't get established till 1054. So you can see that it had nothing to do with the Roman Catholic church. Are you with me today? good 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 so today we're looking at the forgiveness of sins I'm going to talk a lot about forgiveness so you you are to probably get ready for that I I think you might be challenged and going to touch on the resurrection of the body because I hit that pretty hard a few weeks ago and the life everlasting amen amen just means say I believe it so be it amen forgiveness of sins Romans 3.23 says this. Some of the scriptures I use today, use today very common. If you've been in the church any time, if you've not been in the church any time, it's not going to be common to you, and that's okay. Praise God. I'm glad you're here. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Question to you. How many have sinned? Can you say that with me, all? Tell your neighbor right now, hey, you little sinner. You are a sinner, I'm a sinner. The person on your right, left, behind you, in front of you are sinners. We all have sinned, every one of us. There's not a person that have not sinned. We all, say that with me, all. All. I looked that word up one time, I think in the Greek or the Hebrew or the entire Bible, and it was written, I think, 7,803 times. Don't hold me to that, it's been a while. But I did come to the reality that all means all. We all have sinned. Because we have all sinned, you can't get into heaven unless sin is taken care of in your heart and your life. Because God is a holy God. There ain't no sin in heaven, you guys. Are you following me? Okay? So, with that being said, let's look at another scripture. It gets a little worse before it gets better. Okay? The first portion of Romans 6.23a says, For the wages of sin is... That's not cool, is it? The wages of sin is death. Sin costs you. It will bury you. It will weight you down. I'm going to talk about its double first cousin in just a moment and best friend that's connected with sin at all times. But as for anybody thinking about sleeping, (laughs) I like that butt. It's like, hey, here comes the football. He's going to catch it. Oh, intercepted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're running it down. Woo! Butt! <laughs> There's a reason why I don't use the Seahawks, just because I'm not a Seahawk fan. <laughs> I, mean, I just like that butt. I mean, it's just like, hey, wages of sin. It's like Jesus stepped in front of me, took a bullet, but it's, it's amazing. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't be cute enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't keep enough of the Ten Commandments. Even though all those things are good, I encourage it majorly. My point is, is that what I'm speaking of today when it comes to forgiveness, it is a gift. Amen. It's a gift that you're, you know, if I give you a birthday gift, you can give back to me and God, yeah, I don't want your stinking gift. Well, sorry about that. You cannot receive the gift of God. You cannot receive the grace and the forgiveness of God. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today. It is a gift from God. Nothing that you can earn or work or be nice enough or kind enough. It is a gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal. How many of you would like to have eternal life in heaven? I'm just asking, okay? Because some people, they either don't want it or they don't believe it. Even if you don't believe that, it still is going to happen. Just because you don't believe in something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin doesn't seem so bad at the time of sinning. Have any of you figured that out? It's like right in the midst of sinning, it can be kind of fun. The Bible says doesn't say that sin is not fun, that it's not full of adventure, I'm sure the prodigal son had lots of fun, had lots of, of adventure until he ran out of money and he was in a feeding pigs. But sin is absolutely highly deceiving. There's a lot of deception that comes with sin. If sin had instant results. Some of you, you're going to get that in just a few minutes. (laughs) If sin had instant results, let's back up to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is, if sin had instant results, I think there would be a lot less takers right? Be like, oh man, just, what are you doing jail? Just stepping over bodies. People left and right, including me, I've been dead a whole long, long, long long time ago. Okay. Praise God. It doesn't have instant results because it doesn't have instant results. It seems to have a little bit more takers because sin is a progression, which is not a progression, which is really honestly a regression. A progression, regression. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me give you the progression, regression of sin for a moment. James 1.15 says, then when desire, a desire I think could be a, a, a thought. When a desire, desire means longing, has conceived. Talking about sin kind of like having a baby. To some degree, not a good baby, you know, not a, not a baby baby, but a bad baby, not, not a human baby. You follow me? A sin baby, but, but not from, Never mind. I'm digging myself a good pit. (laughs) Just as kind of like pregnant. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth. Are you following me? You know why I'm saying baby conception, birth. To sin, okay? And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. See the regression there? Not really a progression, but a regression. Sin seems to me more that it functions like a, a credit card. Credit card. Oh, you remember, I mean, they, they, somebody gave me credit when I was in college. How dumb can you be and still be breathing? <laughs> Really, honestly, don't you think? I shouldn't call people dumb in church. (laughs) Obviously, they don't know college students too well. I mean, I was a bouncer and I got paid after work. Any night that I bounced, it's like, come on, I'm not going to have probably the best credit in the world. But sin is like, to me, like a credit card. It's like, oh, I got a credit card. I got a $50,000 limit. I think I'll buy a boat. Oh, I like that new car. Or either now it's like, instead of just, you know what I'm saying? Don't pull it out fast because it blows up and beeps and it's like, oh, put your card back in. Oh, I got to delete it. Start all over again. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Wow. It's like, I finally got this down. Now I got to do this. and Oh, Cabo. I was going to Cabo for three weeks. Yeah. New clothes. Uh Yeah, then all of a sudden, 30 days, guess what comes? The bill. And if you don't pay it when they tell you to pay it, the day of interest rates, maybe 16 to 23 percent, full interest rate, bam! It's like, ah. That wasn't so fun. Now I have, uh, in, I, I have a bill. I have, I gotta pay. Man, it's gonna take all my wages. This is, this is kind of heavy. This is, are you feeling me? Of how sin is a lot like debt. It begins to pile up. Um, the Bible says, "Whatever a man sows, he will reap." That's very important to always remember that. If you choose sin, lie and steal and kill and cheat and fornicate and adultery and murder and hate and unforgiving. Those are just some of the biggies. There's a lot of other little ones too. You know what I mean? Sin is sin. Most of the time, it's not instant death. Can it be instant death? Absolutely. But typically, I don't find it to be an instant death. Like, I sin, bam! And praise God for his mercy but the wages of our sin do pile up the bill does come the weight the debt the interest rate and i want to talk to you a minute for on on behalf of sin's first cousin and best friend that always is connected with sin that is to some degree maybe worse than sin maybe not and it's called guilt it's like sin, it wasn't so bad when I was doing it and now I feel so guilty about it and I'm just weighed down with guilt, I can't function correctly, I'm tormented with guilt and guilt confuses and left undone I think it drives people insane and suicidal And it's not good, guilt will impact you emotionally and mentally and spiritually and guilt, sin, guilt, oh my goodness. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you that you don't have to live that way. There was a woman that came in to see Jesus, and I love the story. I've told it probably a hundred times. I'll share it maybe 101 today, is that she walks in, she goes into the person's house, and it's like she doesn't even care who's there. She's not impressed with any of the the disciples. She goes straight to Jesus and man, she takes this alabaster and she just breaks it and she lets down her long black hair and she begins to just cry over jesus's feet and wash his feet with her hair and the disciples are kind of like who is this and who's touching jesus and one of the disciples says, oh we could have sold the alabaster and give it to the poor and he was a manipulator and i think it was judas we're going to talk about it but it was amazing this woman i think was absolutely buried in sin and in guilt But somehow she knew who to go to. And she comes in right in the presence of God Almighty with all of her sin and all of her guilt. I mean, she brings her very best to Jesus. She breaks the alabaster, and I'm sure that room is full with the incense. And and, and, and when you break it, you can't put it back in. I mean, it's all over the place. And then Jesus begins to talk about her a little bit because all the disciples are... And he says a couple of things. He kind of relates it back to some degree to the credit card. Luke 7, 41 and 42, he's talking, I think, to Peter. And he says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing which which to repay, just like this woman, she had nothing. She gave all to Jesus What what am I going to do with my guilt and my shame and sin? He freely forgave them both. What an amazing gift. And Jesus says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love more? Which do you think would love more? Let's put it in English terms, American terms. Somebody forgive you $5,000 or somebody forgive you five bucks. Which one you think is going to forget, love the most? 5,000. You'd be like, wow. Well, this woman was just buried in guilt and shame, and she walked out of there. I think she followed Jesus. I think she was even at the cross with Jesus. The impact Jesus can have. The woman caught in adultery. She's caught. I think it's only one or maybe two times in the Bible that this is written. Caught in the very act. We're not talking about hearsay like, hey, I heard that she is sleeping around and she's caught in the very act and they drag her before Jesus and the elders and Jesus is like, hey, which, which one of you, you haven't sinned. If you've not sinned, you'd be the first one to throw the, the stone and they all begin to back out and. And Jesus says something so freeing and so powerful. He looks at the woman after this goes on, and he just says these simple words. Jesus had raised himself up after he was writing on the ground, writing, I think he was writing the guy's name that was in bed with this woman. That would shock the snot out of everybody, especially if it was one of their leaders. I don't know that. It's just kind of like what I... Kind of think, maybe. And Jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. And he said, they're all gone. And he said to the woman, where are those accusers of you, of yours? Everyone say accuser. Accused. One word for that is Satan. That's what they, the rabbi named Satan, the accuser. When people accuse you, even the guilt accuse you, you don't have to put up with that. There's one who came and laid his life down so you don't have to walk in accusation and shame and guilt. My sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. Why do we get excited about that song? Because it's exciting. Your guilt was strong, but Jesus, your shame was strong, but. At 909, we said that we would turn the music down, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to turn down. You better know that. Is that okay? Good, we're not voting on that. And I think it's beautiful, the lights and the music, but I'm not going to turn down. I just can't do it. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, wow, freeing words. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't just say, hey, go live like hell. Just do what you're doing. Because he knows the wages of that. He knows where that leads. He says, go sin no more. But Jesus didn't come and he didn't load the guilt and the shame up on. The lady, I want to let you know that snare sin will always ensnare you. It snares like a trap, it will snare you like an animal trap guilt will weigh you down. I mean, I remember walking to the church December the 7th, 1986, so confused, full of shame and guilt, just at the borderline of breaking inside. And the enemy will use all of those things to accuse you and accuse you. And I say, I say, agree with him quickly. Agree, agree quickly with your adversary. And this is, yeah, you're right. I'm a sinner. Yeah, you're right. I'm guilty. Yeah, I deserve shame. But I'll begin singing, sin was strong but Jesus you're stronger for what he did for me and you you don't have to live under that weight and under the guilt and under the shame. David was by the way you can, you can come to church and put on a pretty good smile and, and dress cool and worship and be buried under guilt. You can function under guilt. You know that? that to me that's kind of like religiosity it's like why, why live that way? David was functioning as the king. And he was probably doing a pretty good job. But David, uh, he had done some really jacked up things. He should have been out to war one day with all the rest of the kings. And he was overlooking. And he checked on, checked out this girl probably in the nude bathing and calls for her. And, well, I don't have to paint the picture for you what took place. She ends up pregnant. She's married to one of David's soldiers Uriah David calls Uriah off the the battlefield to try to get them to sleep together and Uriah sleeps like on the porch of David he's not I'm not gonna do that guys are at war I mean this guy was a faithful man David did that a couple of nights and then it didn't work and David sends him out puts him on the front line so that he gets mowed down David thinks it's all cool now. I got the the babe. The husband's dead. Nobody knows. Oh, but there's one that knows. (laughs) God sends a a prophet named Nathan. And Nathan shares this story. And David's like, who is this guy? Let me at this guy. And, And Nathan goes, you are that guy. And David writes this song, Psalms. I love the Psalms. We're getting ready to begin a series on on the Psalms. He he writes this Psalms 51 during this totally dysfunctional, guilt-ridden, shame-filled sin. I mean, David had run the bill up. Psalm 51, 1 through 14, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions and wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for i know that my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only have oh how i've sinned and i've done what is evil in your sight so that you you are proved right when you speak justify when you judge when you speak justify when you judge words are a little different at the end but I think it means the same thing and if you look down if you skip down to verse 14 PowerPoint people 14 he goes into another song that you're very familiar with in me a clean heart oh God in me a pure heart oh God and a renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. That's something powerful to to be filled with the joy of God. You know it? Not just to be like, oh, I'm a Christian, but man, my life says, ah. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Restore to me the joy of salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach trans- transgressors their way so that sinners will turn back to you, which is beautiful. Look what he says. Deliver me from guilt. David's buried with guilt. B- guilt of what? Bloodshed. He... He, he puts Uriah right on the front line. He gets mowed down. Think about that. One of your guys that protect you, your bodyguard, you're one of your main men. You put out, you take his lady, pregnant, and you put him out on the front line. David is buried with credit, interest rate, guilt. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. And you know what? God does deliver him. It was before Jesus and what Jesus did. David went through some stuff. He lost that baby. Let me tell you a great way to get rid of shame and sin and guilt today like now first John one night if you confess if we confess our sins he's faithful and just look to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness isn't that beautiful He cleanses your heart and your mind and your soul. He cleanses us. He, 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 He forgives, but not just forgives. It's one thing to be forgiven, but he also cleanses. I think the guilt is just washed away. Look at true repentance this morning. Acts 3.19 says this, repent, therefore, and be converted. Look what follows this, look that your sins will be blotted out so that, look, times are refreshing. Will you say that with me, refreshing? Refreshing. Wow. Times are refreshing. May come from the presence of the Lord. That's what takes place when a person truly repents. Blot, blot, times are Refreshing. When a man confesses and repents, turns from the sin, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, there's times of refresh. I want you to look real quickly, just real quickly, because I want you to distinguish something today, especially between two disciples that I'm getting ready to talk about just for a moment. That word repent in the Greek is metanoia. Will you say that word with me, metanoia? Not that you really care, but if I have to say it, I want you to say it. Metanoia, that word repent means metanoia. It means changed after being with. It means think differently. After a changed mind, repent to think differently. Peter was one that I think truly metanoia. Out of, out of, I'm going to talk about two disciples just for a moment. Remember what Peter did? What's Peter known for other than preaching and 3,000 people get saved? And What is Peter known for? What? ka ka do denying Christ. <laughs> denying Christ. G- Jesus, I mean, his right hand man, John and John Peter and I mean, the, t- 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 anytime you see the disciples written, Peter's always first mentioned because he's his right hand man. He denies Jesus. Can you imagine the guilt? You know who Jesus is. But to save face, you deny him. The guilt, the shame, the remorse. But what's beautiful about Peter is that he truly repented. Totally metanoia. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, you love me? You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter goes out and he preaches and 3,000 people are saved and water baptized and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the church's birth. And man, he's a machine. I mean, he repents. I mean, it's powerful times of refreshing. I mean, this guy's changed. And then you have another disciple. Walked with Jesus, too? His name's Judas. What is Judas known for? Three people know about Judas. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Judas did what? He betrayed. Think about it. Denied and betrayed. Both of them are jacked up. Judas almost repented. Judas partially repented. But the word is not metanolia there. The Bible says that Judas... He had emotion. He had regret. Let me read it. Let me show you how he partially repented. Matthew 27, 3. And Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. Say that with me, remorseful. He's remorseful. He feels terrible about what he just did. And brought back the 30 pieces of silver. Look at this. Partial repentance. He throws it across the table. Hey, here's the money back. We don't want your blood money. There's some, some kind of repentance going on. Do you agree? Now he doesn't get anything out of what he did. Remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. The word... Therefore, remorseful. Now listen to the The first one was metanoia. Uh, let me get back to it. Let me get back to it. Metanoia. Listen to this word. metamelomahi. Almost, oh, Really close. Change after being with. Um, to experience a change, concern after a change of emotion and usually impo- applying regret. Falling into emotional. Look at that. Falling into emotional remorse and afterwards. How many of you ever done something bad and you're like, Oh, oh, Holy Spirit. God, forgive me. And then you do the same thing the next day or the next week. Am I the only one? Lord, help us, right? How do I know that Judas didn't fully repent? Man, the guy's buried in guilt. Buried, just like Peter. Buried. But what does he do? He's buried with guilt and shame. And I can just hear the devil just accusing him. Look what you've done, Judas. You were a disciple, you scumbag. And he goes out and hangs himself. See, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the gift of God. See, God wants you to receive that gift today. He doesn't want you living with the shame and the guilt and the accusations and the voices and the committee and all that. Receive the gift of God today. Receive the forgiveness, the cleansing, the refreshing. There's one thing that will stop you from receiving forgiveness. Did you know that? You need to be aware of this. If you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But, oh, there's another one. But, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Whew. Scary, scary verse. If you don't forgive man their trespasses, you know what I think you do? I think you offend God. You ever think about offending God? We're so concerned about offending the politics and offending Education and offending the neighbor and offending what will they think and offending, offending. offending. Have you ever thought about, do we offend God? I'll smile now. If you don't forgive, I think you create an offense between you and God because of what he did for you. J.O., I don't know if I have unforgiveness. Well, we're going to run a pregnancy test today. (laughs) Pregnant with unforgiveness. You ready to take the test? Guys, it's going to be a little different for you because we don't take pregnancy tests. But we can all be pregnant with unforgiveness because it has nothing to do with, you know what? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Say that with me. Forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Number one. I'm just going to hit these. You ready? Pregnancy test. Are you pregnant with unforgiveness? Number one. Bitter, wrath, anger toward a someone. Maybe you see them and there's bitter, wrath, anger towards that person. Maybe there's bitterness in your heart. Maybe right now you got to watch yourself because you can be highly deceived right now at this moment. Mm. You can be like, I'm sitting in church, everything's cool. Jail, look at me. I'm cool, I'm good. You can be highly deceived in this area. But when you bring up the exes in Texas. When you bring up the dad that hurt you or molested you or the person that killed or the per- whatever, it, I don't know what it is. Evil, wrong things take place and hurt people. I've been hurt, jacked up to the max. But have you forgiven? Is there bitter anger towards a person in your heart when I say that? Then I think you should Check on that. Number two, clamor. That means an outcry. You have an outcry towards some, your language, angry words, not angry birds, but angry words towards someone. And see, I, I'll never know this with you unless you were to tell me. You know right now if you're mad at your dad or mad at a, a, a person at work or what someone did to you 10, 20 years ago or. And I began preaching on this last night. There was a young lady, and I just saw her just begin to well. And I go, "Wow, Holy Spirit, you're doing something. Maybe touching on that place that she needs to be released today. Maybe that's you today." Number three, speak evil towards someone. Usually not to their face. Not not pulling out Matthew 18, but just behind there. I, I think I'll just go and tell this pastor and this person and this. Speaking behind their back. If you're doing those things, you might be pregnant. Number four, making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty. Not nice. Just naughty. Making a list. It started back here with this, but it's like, ah, look at, can I use you, Gabe? Because Gabe's one of the nicest guys i ever met in my life. He's like, oh, look what Gabe's doing now. He's sitting with his arms crossed. Oh, he's smiling at me. And you just go through the list. It started back here with something, but now it's just like, checking that. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. Are you pregnant? Number five, build a case against them. Number six, you can't let go. If if any of these things are going on in your heart, it could be towards an old pastor from somewhere, an elder, a youth pastor, a dad, whatever it may be. I don't know. could be a car salesman. I have no clue. But if it's going on, tell your neighbor right now, let it go. Let it go. Seriously. Let it go today. It's not worth it. The only person that knows is you. You're the only one entangled. Let it go. That's what that kind of repentance or forgiveness means. Let it go. If you can't let it go, this is what I encourage you to do. Where's that phone? I, I let it go. No, I'm teasing. My wife was in this thing yesterday. It was just awesome. Woo! TEDx. She just, she just crushed it out of the ballpark over the stinking river. And somebody in there, I'm sure they just forgot their phone. Just, you know, I'm like, you're in TEDx? You know, it happens. If you can't let it go today, well, to come to church and I worship, have you forgiven? David was functioning in a great high state of deception. Let it go today. And, Jay, I don't really like you right now. <laughs> You're, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened to me. I'm just the mailman. Don't, don't, don't stick your little dogs on my feet. I'm just bringing the mail. Okay? I think we need to be concerned about offending God. I think that when we hold back forgiveness, listen to me real good, I think that we can absolutely hold back miracles and hold back our prayers and hinder relationships. Come on, we got to let it go. If you can't let it go, then I think you should go to that brother or that sister and don't go accusing. Ah, Pastor Jail told me to come to you. Uh, You've been a jerk to me. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't be mean. Don't be angry. Don't be weird. Tell your neighbor right now, don't be weird. I get hives with weird Christians, okay? I just, just go to them normal. Hey, man, you know, you hit my car the other day and you didn't even tell me and I heard you did it. and Whatever, I don't know what it is. Go to them, speak the truth in love, kindness. That's going to get you a long way. And then if you, if you can't work it out, then you can take someone with you. Jail, I ain't going to talk to that person. I don't like that person. Jail, you they did do that. It's their fault. They, I'm right. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln says, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. Mm-hmm. Jail, I'm right about it, and they were wrong. Do you know that Jesus was absolutely right? He was totally right. Right, right, chess. And he took on our sin. Go to them. Let it go. Forgiveness of sin. I'm just going to mention the last two because I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to camp out on the forgiveness of sin. Are you with me today? Can everyone say it with me? Let it go. You might be mad at God right now. There was a time losing my parents, losing my sister, my cousin who was like a brother to me. I was probably mad at God. Who am I to be mad at God? I mean, all I got to do is just swoop. Set, jail's gone, yeah. but I was mad. I was mad at people, mad at just let it go. Just let it go. Just let it go today. The last one, the last two is the resurrection of the body. That's some good news. How, how many of you are glad that because you're a believer, you're going to resurrect? Yeah. Resur- yeah. Now, when you die, I believe that you're immediately in the presence of God. Listen to what Paul says. We are confident, yes, verse 8, well, please rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I think that if something was to happen to you today or 10 years or 30 years or whatever, right then and there, if you're a believer, you've been born again, you're going to be right in the presence of God. But there's also a day where our bodies is going to get a new body if you wasn't here a few weeks ago, that's, you should go and listen to it online because I break it down a whole lot more. Today I just wanted to mention it. Listen to the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I believe that your bodies are going to rise no longer with the mortal but with the immortal. You're going to have new bodies, and we're going to have new bodies to be judged in. Every one of us, Judge for every good thing you do or every evil thing you do. Listen, judge, why? Because we're going to go to an eternal place. What eternal place? If you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, you, the blood of Jesus covers you. Guess, guess where you're going to go? Everyone say paradise. Come on, heaven. I'm on the stairway to heaven. Come on, that's where you'll go because of Jesus Christ. But for those that don't believe, They're going to be judged in these new bodies and it's sad to say they're going to be eternally damned in a place called hell, Hades, separated from the presence of God. That's sad. That's why we're so passionate about preaching the gospel. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell in Coeur d'Alene and anyone that we run into. Let me finish reading that. Then we who are alive remain shall be caught up in together and them in the clouds to meet uh, the Lord in heaven or the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Final five words of the creed. You ready for this? And life everlasting, amen. Guess who's going to have life everlasting? John 3, 15 and 16. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal, that's a long time, you guys. Eternal life. We we know maybe 60, 70, 80, maybe 100 years. I know a lady that's going to be 101. But... Yeah, we're talking eternal right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son who believes in him should not perish but have, look, everlasting life. My friend, one of Radine's really good friends, her name is Kathy Shortridge. Kathy has been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. She went to the doctor. She's doing wonderful, wonderful. This happened a long time ago, and God's done a beautiful thing inside of her. But the doctor looked at her and says, Kathy, you're terminal. And she said, I'm not terminal. I'm eternal. Amen. I'll never forget that as long as the first time she shared was at one of the women's gathering. And I thought, Wow. How true. I'm not terminal. Doctor, you don't know who you're talking to right here, bro. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you not know that I'm going to live forever? And I'm going to have a better body than you can ever imagine. I'm going to have an incorruptible body. I'm going to be in heaven singing glorious song. Come on. I'm terminal. I'm eternal. How do you know the difference? If you're not born again, you're terminal. If you haven't been forgiven, you're terminal. If you haven't forgiven according to that scripture, you're terminal. If you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're terminal. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're eternal. If you've been forgiven, you're eternal. If you have forgiven, you're eternal. If you're born again, you're eternal. Come on, somebody. I think that you desire to be eternal today. Amen. Stand to your feet.